You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show Friday edition. We're finishing up the week with one of my favorite things that Matt does, draft ditties. One draft note on every team in the NFL. He writes this for the Draft Digest, which you can find closer to draft day, but a sneak peek of those draft ditties, starting with the AFC today. At BD Peacock, at Williamson NFL. Some news around the NFL, as has been the case. Just about every day, one little nugget pops up, which is a lot of fun. And this offseason, and I thought there was a lot of potential and actual quarterback movement last year with one of the greats of all time and Tom Brady changing teams. It's going to be even more bizarre this year. We've already seen a lot of it. Two big trades with Matthew Stafford and Carson Wentz. There is a lot more to come and some stuff bubbling underneath the surface. Yesterday, we talked a lot about Russell Wilson, Matt. Uh, Today, a couple bits of news. I want to start with the Deshaun Watson saga that is still ongoing, and Deshaun Watson dug in. He, he's he's not going to play. That That's his stance. Flat out, not going to do it. He'll sit out regular season games if the Texans play hardball. And per Dan Graziano's sources, the Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson met with new Texans head coach David Coley last Friday. In that meeting, Watson reiterated that he wants to be traded and told Coley he has no intention of playing for the Texans ever again. No change from Watson's end. He remains dug in so and here's the thing about Deshaun Watson he hasn't really been very public about it he hasn't done any any interviews about it everything has been leaked from somewhere either people close to him or uh, maybe it's his agent maybe it's more of the team side so you know it took us almost a week to find out about this meeting so he has talked to them he's let them know multiple times now talk to the new head coach after that staff is now hired he's not coming back that's where he's at so it's up to the Texans to either trade him or call his bluff yeah, it, it's getting to the point where you think things might start happening. And my hunch is when we get a salary cap number, that might, you know, light a little fire under some teams to pull the trigger if there is talks. You read some blurbs that, hey, Houston's not talking to anyone. There's been no trade talk whatsoever. I doubt that. I mean, I'm sure teams are calling them and saying, hey, this is kind of something we'd be considered offered for Deshaun if you decide to move on from him. It, it's interesting to me. I kind of made fun of the David Cauley hire. And frankly, I don't think some of the top people were lining up for this job, but it sounds like his strengths and I've done more homework on him since then, obviously, is that he's a really well-spoken, very good communicator. And you kind of feel like he was sort of hired first and foremost to keep Deshaun around and that he would be a good type of guy to do that almost reminds me of like a dungy, you know, from what I've heard about him, that if you sit down with him, you might understand where he's coming from. But if the reports are after that conversation, Watson still wants nothing to do with this team whatsoever, which I understand. I mean, they're a sinking ship on the field and somewhat of a disaster off the field. Um, I guess it just depends. Like you said, I mean, how long are you going to play hardball and, is he going to miss game checks and is this going to extend down the road? Or do you just finally say the heck with it? We got to put a team together and we need some picks in this draft. Yeah. It's so interesting how the Texans are going to play this because the ball's in their court. They do have leverage because I don't think Deshaun Watson wants to not get paid in September. And apparently he's willing to do that. But if the Texans want max return, they've probably got to do that before free agency and definitely before the draft. And they will know what draft picks they're actually getting if they're getting 
picks from this year in return. Mm-hmm. So maybe just behind the scenes, the Texans are trying all of those things and trying to talk to them and, and waiting to the last minute before they make that decision before, you know, what they can get in return starts to drop off post draft. And, you know, maybe even just talking about what they would want, because that's not a quick decision. If, if a player comes in as a star player for you and says, I want to be traded, you don't go, okay, we'll trade you tomorrow. You, you, you're going to take your time with that. And if it does become something where he is available in the Texans, uh, apparently they're just letting those trade offers go to voicemail is, is a report I saw. Uh, if they start picking up the phone <laughs> and taking those trade offers, you know, they should take some time and make sure they do get the best offer for their organization going forward if they're not going to roll with Deshaun Watson. Yeah, and this Watson and Wilson thing, much more so than Wentz or Stafford even, it, it, it makes me think of the NBA. And I don't, I'm not very, uh, you know, I, I grew up with not watching the NBA. I'm from Pittsburgh, we don't have a city, we don't have a team. Um, but it sounds like in the league, in the, in the association, a lot of the players do contribute to team building and have a say in things. And when they're highly unhappy, they can demand a trade, I guess, like Harden recently did. Do you think this is a precursor for involving your star, assuming it's a quarterback, in how you build the team and or stars, the elite stars, telling teams, I'm going to go, you got to trade me, you know, like, cause when I was a kid, this stuff didn't happen. Oh no, not at all. And, and, and you know that the 30 other teams in the NFL, those owners and front office people don't want the Seahawks to cave. They don't want the Texans to right, cave because right. they want it to stay that way because the NFL has more contractual control over their players than the other leagues. And those major league baseball and those NBA contracts are fully guaranteed. That's not the case with the NFL. So yeah, and and if you're a player, you should try to flex whatever power you can. If you don't like your situation, you should try to change it. The the Watson one, which I could see the Texans standpoint from this one was like you just signed a long-term deal. You could have played this out to free agency if you wanted to, but you didn't. So I I could see where where they would be coming from on this cuz you never want to trade a, a 25-year-old star quarterback. It's never happened. It's never happened for a reason. So, yeah, you know, if you're trading a guy past their prime, someone who, uh, you know, is in the twilight of their career or has played poorly, I understand those, which Stafford, Wentz, even J.J. Watt, I get those moves, why you would be more willing to let those players go than someone who is getting you to the playoffs every year like Russell Wilson does for the Seahawks or someone who, who you would expect to be able to nearly single-handedly do that for you in Deshaun Watson. You trade him away to a good team and now he's going to be winning for you. It's going to hurt even more, so... Uh, I, I I totally see both sides, and I don't really think there's a villain in this at all. And no. I just hope for Deshaun Watson's sake he does end up on a really good team because he's a really good player and fun to watch. Right. I mean, that's part of it. Is as fans, I want I don't want to see him languish somewhere poor like he is now. Although he was dynamite last year and very fun to watch. Still, I, I guess where I was going with that is two, three, four, five years down the road, are we going to hear similar things from? Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence and maybe Kyler Murray, you know, like superstar quarterbacks that are hitting their prime. They're on their second contract that are in, you know, organizations that haven't won much or that they're not happy with. Yeah. I think the change will be organizations and maybe just public pressure. And I think the social media and just, you know, it's a smaller world we live in right now, I think has a big part of that because, you know, there was piss off quarterbacks in the past in the nineties that stormed into the coach's office and said, trade me if whatever, you know, and there was a huge saga that played out here locally with the 49ers and Steve Young and Joe Montana. That was nuts. Imagine that in this day and age with the way sports are covered with social media, how that would have gone. So I think things come to a head faster and are more in public eye than they ever have been before, which which leads to a lot more of that. And 
you know, in the Carson NBA. Carson Palmer's like the only one I can think of yes. that's even in the last 15 years. Right, yeah, and he did it successfully. And he, yeah. he just retired. He's like, look, I'm done. That's a period. So <laughs> trade me or not, but I'm, I'm retiring. And that, that's kind of the stance that Deshaun Watson has taken now. And the Bengals did not want to trade him, and eventually they did. And the Bengals never trade anybody. The Bengals never trade. So that was a, a pretty big deal that they actually caved and finally did that. It is. It's, it's funny. I mean, just when you mentioned Young in Montana, I mean, I guess we've had Rodgers and Favre um, to some degree. Yeah. But could you imagine if like two of the top six or seven, five quarterbacks are on the same roster right now? <laughs> like if Mariota and Carr were both awesome or you know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. could you imagine what would be going on right now in the league? Oh, it's insane. Yeah. It, that. Or Jordan Love looked like Mahomes when he stuck right. behind Rodgers. Like, yeah, what if that's Rod- basically like would be like. What if week three Rodgers like tweaked an ankle, Love came in and won the MVP, and, and he's the one that led the team to the playoffs? That that would be right. bananas over there right now. That's kind of like what happened to Montana. Almost, yeah, you know that's what I mean? Exactly like, what happened. Imagine yeah. the, the world how how that would be how that would go down nowadays. Would be insane. It would be nuts. So I guess it's not unprecedented. I think we just have more information now. True. True. I mean. Pretty rare to have two overlapping Hall of Famers, you know, Rodgers and Favre right. come to mind. And, you know, there's been successors, you know, Rivers took over for Breeze, you know, Indianapolis had a nice stretch there going, but it's not like, boy, Steve's breathing down my neck or Joe's the monkey on my back, you know, the stuff we heard <laughs> right. you know, yeah. back then. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's get into your draft ditties and actually yeah, let's yeah. start with the AFC and we will start with the New England Patriots because there's a note on their quarterback situation as well that will tie into Matt Williamson's draft ditties next. You want in on the action? Well, you can get some at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. I know the NFL season is over, but you can still bet on what's going to happen in the NFL draft. Picks one, two, three, first wide receiver off the board. First uh, offensive lineman off the board. College football futures for next season. NFL Super Bowl winner for next season. NHL, NBA in full swing. Major League Baseball uh, just about to get going. And of course, one of the best things when it comes to sports betting every single year is, and I'm so glad we're having it this year, March Madness. Bet Online even has awards, TV shows, and reality TV you can bet on. Table games, poker, blackjack, real time, updated odds, and props on almost anything you can imagine. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. The latest, Matt, from Ian. Rappaport about the New England Patriots. Free agency hasn't started, he said, but the Patriots are already getting some reinforcements. Their key opt-outs from 2020, including linebacker Dante Hightower, safety Patrick Chung, and offensive tackle Marcus Cannon, are all planning to be back for 2021, sources say, physically are in a good place. So the Patriots automatically are going to be better because they were hit the hardest with opt-outs last year on top of, you know, some poor drafting in recent years and, and their roster was in really, really bad shape. But they still have to figure out the quarterback thing. Cam Newton going to be a free agent again. Will they try to bring him back? According to multiple reports now that we've heard, the, the Patriots are doing homework on everybody, all of the quarterback options. We're talking draft, we're talking trades, we're talking free agents, and 
from a source inside either. I don't really remember which source this is now because I've seen so many different reports. They've definitely called the 49ers about their former quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo. That would be interesting if he ended up getting flipped back to the Patriots this offseason, which I could totally see. So the Patriots have a lot to figure out, but already they're going to be a better team than last year just because a lot of core members, veterans of their team, were gone last year. Yeah, and that, that obviously hit them harder than any other team. And GMs can't prepare for those things. I mean, it's like a big injury. When a, a big injury hits, you didn't plan for the succession of, oh, his contract's coming up, we can't pay him, we're going to draft the guy a year before that. So, uh, you know, you mentioned the guys coming back. I think their front seven will gladly uh, you know, bring those bags back with open arms. The O-line's been consistently good, um, but Thune and Andrews are both free agents, so you could do some shuffling around with Cannon coming back, and I would imagine the line should remain pretty good. Unfortunately, none of those guys coming back throw or catch the football. <laughs> That's a really good point. Yeah, they, they they need some playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, they need help in the trenches, probably on both sides of the ball as well. They need a lot of help everywhere, and then there's also some whispers that they might even be dangling Stephon Gilmore in trade. I'm not sure I completely buy that because I don't think they really need to. They've got cap space, so that one doesn't make a ton of sense, even though that would be a Belichickian sort of a move to move on from a guy before his contract's done and, and get some value there before a player hits free agency. So uh, maybe I could see Stefan Gilmore moving, but they need talent. So Bill Belichick wants to win, and I'm sure after last year, he's probably more in a mode of let's make this team better now more so than the usual MO of let's trade down, let's let everybody walk, and you know we'll, we'll fix this thing and not really worry about it. Uh, two things. First of all, here's a prediction. I'm betting in some way, shape, or form James White and especially Julian Edelman end up wearing Tampa Bay colors at some point. Mm, okay. So they'll just they'll, they'll just fully bring back the last uh, Patriots Super Bowl winning squad in Tampa at some <laughs> right. point. I mean they I you know if Godwin moves on, well bring Julian down for nothing, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's just a hunch. They they need to get a pass catching back in Tampa. Those guys you can pry away from New England really cheap or they could even be cap guys. And I think White actually is a free agent. Um and the other thing I think is really interesting and I talked about this a lot a year ago and I don't know that we know anymore. What style quarterback does Belichick and McDaniels want? Do they want the pocket passer distributor? Do they want Cam Newton, who's the total opposite? Will they just adjust to the best quarterback they can get? You know, you mentioned Jimmy. Would a, a Minshew interest them or someone like that that they could get cheap and then maybe draft someone or wait till next year? I'm just curious what style of quarterback they will pursue. Yeah, that's really interesting. It would seem that they definitely want the pockety style quarterback there. They want, uh, you know, and everything top to bottom is a do your job thing. I don't think they want a ton of freelancing going on. They want to make sure mm -hmm. someone is distributing where it needs to go and marching down the field in, in that sort of regard. And obviously it's not hard and fast. It's not a strict rule because they brought in Cam Newton, but Cam Newton's not the young athletic guy he once was either so no, I, I think true. that's part of the problem there with cam newton it wasn't even stylistically it's just that cam's not the same guy either so and maybe there was you know not quite meshing on both of those accounts and we'll see where cam ends up and see how much gas he has left in the tank but um that, that's a great question I, I it's hard for me to figure out what exactly he's thinking because i can't believe how little New England cared about quarterback. They they signed Cam Newton at the end of the summer, right? They were like, I was like, For like okay, five bucks. They must love Jarrett Stidham. 
and and yeah. he never played. So apparently they didn't love him that much. So I don't know what to think about Bill Belichick and how he feels about quarterbacks. But maybe it was a big eye opener last year where he was like, okay, look, we just went from the greatest of all time to anything else. That's going to be a drop off. We, we maybe we need to put some more thought and some more resources into this a little bit sooner this off season. Yeah, I, I think that's really interesting. Is you know they they're, they're known to have like a telephone book worth of, of plays, and you know especially when Brady was there, they just keep adding to it, adding to it. Do they want to get back to that? You know, the computer mind in the pocket, the quick processor type, or Belichick? Does he think, man, I hate playing against Lamar and Mahomes and running quarterbacks? I want one of them. You know, I, I want something different. I don't know. I, I think that's really interesting, and I don't think we know any more this year than we did a year ago. No, not really. And those reports are pretty much, yeah, they've checked in on everybody. So who knows? Maybe they just don't care as long as they get the best quarterback they can. Yeah, right. I mean, that could be the answer is, oh, Cam, you're going to play for a million bucks. We like Cam. You know, whoever that version is this year. If you're going to play for nothing, we'll gladly take you. Right. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe it's just so what's the best value? That's what we're going to go with. Mm -hmm. Could be. I mean, that's kind of what they're all about. How about this? Let's start with the New England Patriots draft ditty. With the exception of 2017, the Patriots have selected at least nine players in every draft since 2014. And like when you, you see the numbers, it's not super surprising because they're the team that trades down, they trade down, they trade down. At some point a couple years ago, they stopped really hitting on a lot of those players, though, which I think was the problem why we saw the roster fall off a cliff last year after losing Brady and the opt-outs, and they didn't have that young talent that that showed up that all of a sudden you're like, oh, where'd this guy come from? And he's going to go make a whole bunch of money on the free agent market. They didn't have any of those guys last year. Yeah, and you'll see this a trend. I mentioned this with a couple teams in this draft ditty stuff. With When I do all 32, there's a couple teams that have a pretty long track record of making a lot of picks. And I think that's really important because some of them are the, the teams I respect the most. I mean, Belichick, it, to me, is a much better coach than GM it's, and as, and has been a poor drafter lately, to be very frank. And you're right. The reason we talk about their roster being so bad is they have not drafted well. But I think he realizes drafting is very hard. And if you can hit 50% of your picks or 40% of your picks, including seventh rounders and whatnot, You'll be okay. So, therefore, let's just make a lot of picks. And you're right. They trade down a lot. They trade for future picks. They allow guys to leave and get comp picks. And it's been part of the reason for their success over the years, too. They've always been deep. They can use a seventh-round pick on Slater, who only plays special teams because they have so many picks. Things like that. It just hasn't worked out lately. And it's not just because Tom left. This has been a couple years coming. And more comp picks coming for the Patriots. They always have the most comp picks. They've they've yeah. absolutely utilized that. I think they have three comp picks coming and some high ones. Tom Brady, Kyle Vanoy, Jamie Collins, Elandon Roberts, Nate Ebner all left hmm. last year. So yeah. I think the comp formula has them getting maybe a third rounder and two fourths. And uh, wow. so there's 10 picks, right? And they have all of their original seven, I believe. They probably have some extras because they always have someone else's too. Have any more? So who knows? There might be in the double digits there this year. So the Patriots, when it comes to the draft, can do pretty much whatever they want. Who knows? Maybe even they can move up a little bit, like Mel Kiper had them doing in his latest mock draft to go get a quarterback. Could be. What else you got for the draft? Diddy's AFC East. Uh, This isn't a huge one because some of these don't just jump off the page. You know, I had the right one for all thirty-two teams. But in the last five draft classes, Buffalo's only selected three offensive linemen. That doesn't sound crazy, and it isn't. Um, 
But I think what's interesting is is really you should probably take an offensive lineman in every draft is a rule of thumb. You know, you got to put 10 guys in that room and five of them on the field, and you're always looking to develop them. But I, I don't necessarily mean this is a bad thing for the Bills, but I did use this as a Bills one because I've seen them mocked as an offensive lineman. I'm pretty sure you put Mayfield there, right? Yesterday? I did, yep. I had him taking an offensive lineman. Yep. yep. And I know when Joe Marino joined us, I hadn't realized this, but he, you know, he's really dialed in with the Bills. He really made it clear, and I've you know regurgitated that information many times. Besides Allen, pretty much all the Bills' offensive players around him were bought, brought in as veterans. You know, like that's a really interesting strategy to make your rookie quarterback comfortable. We'll give you Stephon Diggs and John Brown. And what was it, two off seasons ago, they signed like nine offensive linemen, <laughs> you know, and just Mitch <laughs> Morse and all those guys here. You see that a lot with front offices where they, they neglect something for so long, then all of a sudden they have one offseason and it's only about that one thing. They draft two or three from one position. They 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 get somebody in free agency. The Jets did that last year. The Jets added five offensive linemen yeah, last offseason. Very similar approach. Yep. And it's not surprising that with the lack of offensive linemen drafted recently that we have them mocking offensive linemen, and that's a big need for Buffalo. It is. It is. I mean, it's not like they've added bad guys. You know, Morse is a good center. But they added a lot of, and the Jets did the same thing. It didn't really work out for the Jets, but they added a lot of cheaper free agents, you know, C-level free agents. And we'll add a lot of them and see what sticks. But they could probably use a star on a rookie contract. You know, eventually that stuff gets expensive too, especially when you got to pay Allen. Absolutely. You can't pay five offensive linemen either, and you've got to be rock solid. You're only as good as your worst offensive linemen in a lot of cases. So you've got to have Can't pay eight of them either like they probably are now. All right, let's uh, finish up the AFC East and get into the AFC South, no, AFC North next. Draft ditties coming up on Peacock and Williamson. Have you checked out rockauto.com yet? If you haven't, you should. I'm looking around on here, and I'm blown away how many parts they have for my old 1972 Ford Ranchero. My grandfather drove it off the lot in 1972. Since then, my uncle, my brother, eventually me, and then now it's sitting. Everybody in our family has driven this car at one point. I love this car. It's been my dream to go work on this thing, get it running, and and pull it out of my uncle's backyard, which it currently is growing weeds around. And I'm blown away going through rockauto.com and seeing all the parts they have for a 1972 Ranchero, let alone my Mazda CX-5, the current vehicle that I drive. All the parts you could ever need for your car or truck at rockauto.com. It's a family-owned business. It's been around for 20 years helping people buy parts online. No different price structures for mechanics or do-it-yourselfers. Reliably low prices, right locked on in the box so they know we sent you. Go fix up that old car. Keep your new car running. Go to rockauto.com. Matt Williamson's draft ditties for 2021. Just one draft-related nugget on every team in the NFL. We've got uh, AFC East and AFC North today. The Miami Dolphins. Uh, what is What is the trend there with the Dolphins draft? Yeah, we talked offensive linemen with Buffalo the last last segment. And this goes back for the last 13 drafts for Miami. So some of these aren't the same people making the same decisions, but they are the same organization. So 12 of the last 13 drafts, the Dolphins have taken a lineman, a big guy, a 300-pounder on either side of the ball with one of their first two picks. I mean, that's a lot of linemen to bring in basically every year for 13 years with one of your first two picks. You would think you'd be a lot better on both lines, and they're not. 
That's wild. Yeah. Obviously an organizational (laughs) philosophy that hasn't panned out as as good as those draft picks. And that's the other thing. You can spend draft picks. One of them was console and, you know. You can spend, and they traded away the good one. So uh, you you can spend resources. That doesn't mean you nail it. You still got to hit your picks. Pretty important. Right. I mean, their offensive line needs a ton of work. It's one of the worst offensive lines in the league. And their D-line's okay. You know, it is interesting with some franchises where you see trends go back to old coaches, old GMs, and it's just that's how a team does it. You see a lot of that actually in the AFC North with the way they put their teams together versus some other teams on the West Coast and how they put their teams together. And it seems like you got to have a West Coast offense if you're uh, in San Francisco. And I think some of that's probably ownership, liking the way certain things happen and liking certain types of coaches and players. Uh, What do you got here? Let's finish up the AFC East with the New York Jets. And you're definitely right about that. I mean, some of these, like the Giants draft a certain way, no matter who their coaches mm-hmm. are and whatnot. Um, here's the Jets, and they might be similar too. Since 2007, it's a long time, they've used their first-round pick on a quarterback twice. I mean, they've added, what, Sanchez and Darnold. Okay. And this past year, Mackay Becton. So other than that, every one of their first picks has been a defensive player. I mean, that's a lot of defensive players, and their defense isn't very good. But they still haven't drafted a cornerback in the top three rounds since they picked Dexter McDougal in 2014. I got to be honest. I follow the draft very closely, and I have for a long time. Dexter McDougal was a a day two pick, and I do not remember that player existing at all. I can't even name the college, and that's really rare. I I love hearing the names of guys like, oh, I remember that guy. I liked him coming out of wherever. Or, oh, yeah, I thought he was overrated. Or you just remember they exist. Dexter McDougal is not a name I remember at all. Right. And, you know, 2014 doesn't seem that long ago, at least in my feeble mind, but it was a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, drafts and ago. that's the last time they drafted a cornerback in the last top three rounds. You know, I mean, still. Yeah. And they have a need. And there. Their corners stink. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, I do like Bryce Hall, who they stole out of the fifth round last year, who's injured coming out. Yeah, of college. Nice, yeah. He, he might be something. He might be a starter for them, which is nice to get in the fifth round. We'll see how that goes. Uh, Baltimore Ravens. This is an interesting one. 77 draft picks over the last eight years. Good for an average of selecting nearly 10 players per year. Yeah, and that is absolutely an organizational um, approach. They're very big on utilizing the comp market. Remember this past year? I think they had like 12 picks this past year. I mean, they had they drafted Queen and you know a lot of guys this past draft. So that's something they do a very, very good job of. And I think it's an Aussie Newsome special that he's handed down to this crew and is one of the reasons they've been super successful over the years. Yeah, you know, it's funny because the teams that always draft a lot of players, you can pinpoint and you're like, well, that team's always got a lot of extra draft picks, always moving down, always uh, spending a lot of resources in the draft. And they tend to be pretty good teams, tend to be playoff teams and tend to be teams that you can really pinpoint. So somewhere there's teams that aren't drafting a lot of players. And I have a feeling oh, it's, it doesn't jump to your mind because those front offices don't last long. That's true. And there's a couple we'll get to over the draft diddy conversation, but like the bears come to mind, they've traded up a lot lately or traded picks away for Khalil Mack, you know, and where are they right now? You know, you need picks, you need picks. And even teams like the Rams and Seahawks who have traded away first rounders still accumulated other picks. So they haven't been down total picks. They've just been down first rounders. Exactly. So there is a balance there. Um, How about this one with Cincinnati? Since 2011, long time ago, that's the that's the year that they opened their draft by taking A.J. Green and then Andy Dalton. Uh, probably neither will be of the team this year. 16 of the 20s, uh, 16 of the Bengals' 20 first two selections. So they've made 20 selections, you know, um, their, their first two picks in any draft 
16 of those 20 have been offensive players. And the other four were all defensive backs. So they don't, they haven't used a front seven pick in their first two picks in forever. And you would think, I mean, 2011, again, is a long time ago in NFL years. But if you're using 16 to 20 of your top two premium picks on offense, shouldn't your offense be good? And, and clearly it's why their team hasn't been good. You can't like that's right. insane. That's one of the craziest things I've ever heard. You didn't draft a defensive lineman <laughs> right. in the first two rounds for 10 years or a linebacker, right? Front seven guy, none. That is crazy. A couple corners. And, because and a Jesse lot of teams, Bain, that's yellow. the first thing they do. They're like, okay, we need to get better on offensive line and defensive line. Period. Let's go. Let's draft a bunch of those guys. And to ignore the defensive line, which is so important in the NFL for 10 years, no wonder they haven't been <laughs> right. good. That's crazy. They keep drafting Green and Boyd and Ross and Eifert and Mixon and Geo and uh, what did you get? What do you have to show for it? Yeah, and maybe that's the philosophy of like, okay, look, we've got this quarterback who's not going to carry the team, so we've got to give him all these resources. It's like, okay, well, there's still the re- you still got to build around the rest of the team too, so you can't only try to help out your middling quarterback. Get a better quarterback and draft some defense. How about that? Yeah, um, here's the Brownies. I might say this is the least exciting of all 32. I had a hard time. And what I do just in my process, I go to drafthistory.com and I just like stare at these drafts until I find something that jumps out at me. And I also use what I had last year as a jumping off point, just if the trends keep up. But since the 2013 draft, Cleveland's made 12 picks in the first round. That itself is noteworthy. I mean, that's a lot of first round picks since 2013. They've made a dozen. And here's the part that's not that exciting, but I put it here anyways. Six were on offense, six were on defense. Okay. They finally made a dozen picks in the, since 2013. <laughs> a round. lot of picks, a lot of bad picks, too. Remember when we went right. back uh, we, a few weeks ago and talked about the, the first-round busts at quarterback, and, man, the Cleveland Browns have had some really doozies. They traded out of the Deshaun Watson pick. They drafted Brandon, Brandon Whedon, a 30-year-old a former pro baseball player in the first round. They drafted uh, Johnny Manziel. Pretty, pretty Gilbert, amazing. the corner. Oh, Gilbert, who just had no career. And those were red flags. Nice. And that, that's a tough one because I remember watching Gilbert and I was just blown away by his athleticism and seeing the kick returns. I thought, oh, this guy's awesome. He's so yeah. athletic. It doesn't matter. And there was like red flags. Ah, he doesn't really care. He doesn't really try too hard. And boom, out of the league almost instantly. Shelton. Trying to think of some of the other names, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, it, you would think, though, I mean, they're starting – I'm not being hard on the Browns. You mean you make a dozen picks in the first dozen first round picks in 2013. You're starting to see the fruits of those labors now. Yeah. You know, it's starting to come together. But boy, I mean, you as it should. I mean, you use that many first round picks. That's why you want extra picks. I think that's the lesson we learned with the draft. If you think you know more than everybody, you're probably going to end up failing. You want the most throws at the dartboard that you can get. Yeah. Because you're, you're going to miss. Uh, Even good teams are going to miss. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah everyone's going to miss. Uh, you want to wrap it up with my Stellars? Yeah, let's see what you got for the Pittsburgh Steelers. If you count, last year the Steelers didn't have a first-round pick, but if you count that first-round pick, which they traded for Minka as a defensive player, which I think is pretty darn fair, they traded a first-round pick for a defensive player, that's eight straight years of using their first-round pick on a defensive player. And it's starting to really show on both sides of the ball. And yeah, they have one of the best defenses in the league. And it's pretty amazing because we just talked about the Cincinnati Bengals who didn't spend any picks in the first couple of rounds on front seven players and have one of the worst defenses in the NFL. So some correlations there, I think. Yeah, and not many misses. I mean, Artie Burns was a miss. It's about the only one I can think of. I mean, just looking at their defense now, first round picks are TJ, Bud, 
Cam Hayward, Bush, uh, Edmonds, Minka, you know, like pretty good dudes. Yeah, and, and you know what's funny is maybe they realize, you know what, maybe the blind spot for us might be the defensive back. So let's just trade our first for the best defensive back, and then we'll be done there too. Actually, it was. I mean, I don't know how much time we have, but like in the LeBeau system here, they always cut corner at corner. They, they just wanted off corners. They were going to blitz like crazy, and the Tom Brady's of the world could pick that really good defense apart. So they always used like a fourth-round pick on corners, and they didn't invest heavy in corners. And then when they started to, they realized, we're not so great at it, so we'll go sign Joe Hayden and Nelson. Yeah, they traded first for Minka Fitzpatrick, and boom, now you've got one of the top defenses in the NFL. Uh, I like, I, yeah. I like. You have to self scout too. You have to understand your weaknesses. You have, you can't be so egotistical that you think you're better than everyone all the time because that's a really slippery slope, and sometimes it might work, and then you can fall off that cliff pretty quickly in the NFL. Back to the start, I feel like New England needs to self scout. Like they need to mm-hmm. outsource someone to come in and analyze our drafts and say. Quit taking guys from Rutgers and, (laughs) you know, these tough, smart guys that you can get in the fifth round really don't need to go in the second round and you stink at drafting receivers. Right. Yeah. So either stop trying early or or just sign a guy that you know is already good because you have that you have that that cap flexibility this year for the first time in a while. Yeah. So, I mean, interesting. But when you start doing this, there are trends and I think it's fun. Don't you think Bill Belichick probably is fond of a player like Allen Robinson who just gets open and makes catches and doesn't drop the football? I think that's a great fit for him. But 20 other teams feel the same way about him, including Chicago. Yeah, that's very true. He might get that franchise tag slapped on him. We haven't seen any franchise tags used yet, even though that window is open. Good point. Good point. I assume it's coming soon, but does... I, I would think you need to know the cap Wait, number. Yeah, though. is there a deadline for the cap number? When is that going to happen? That has to happen soon. I keep thinking it's going to happen any day, any week now, but I think the TV deal needs to get done for the cap number to get done for the franchise tags to happen for the trades to happen, you know? Wow, yeah, a lot still needs to happen. And then the uh, the owners and the associ- players association have to argue about it a little bit first, too. Right, and we're talking about billions of dollars mm-hmm. that need to trickle down to millions of dollars absolutely all right great stuff more on everything going on in the nfl every day right here on the peacock and williamson nfl show back monday with the latest including some more of matt williamson's draft ditties and matt williamson's nfl draft prospect rankings i bet there's some news over the weekend too. Yeah. oh i have a feeling there's going to be because there seems to be something pretty big almost every single day and we'll have it covered for you Right here Monday. Talk to you then. Peacock and Williamson.